Just a quick warning, this podcast series contains discussions about crime, trauma, sexual abuse, drug use and suicide. Listener discretion is advised. I used to rob banks in the 80s and 90s and did 23 years in prison in three different states. It took 30 years to talk about the sexual abuse that happened to me and the spiral into crime, addiction and depression that all occurred as a result. Now, having turned my life around, I talk openly to inspirational people about trauma, survival, transformation and hope. I am Russell Manser and this is The Stick Up. Danny Green, former Australian professional boxer, is a household name in Australia. The Green Machine, he is known as. Well renowned for his toughness in the ring. Danny Green, welcome to the Stick Up. Cheers, Russ. Thanks for having me on, mate. One of my favourite people in the world, mate. Always put a smile on my face when I see you or I call you or whatever. Developed a pretty good friendship over the last couple of years. And, um, mate, it's been a dead set pleasure It's been a, a, to, to get you on here, mate. All right, Green. Tell us where the boxing story all started. Yours is a bit unconventional. You're not from a dysfunctional family or hardship or anything like that. That's what amazes me about your story. Where where did it all start, mate? I um, I just always wanted to be a fighter since I was a kid. Yeah, you know, my man was in a boxing. He was a, a farmer back in the day, wheat and sheep out in the wheat belt. Um, but he loved the sport of boxing. He was a footballer, pretty pretty. Pretty um, talented footballer. Mm. Um, uh, from all reports, from his mates, my old man never told me because he was, you know, like that, he was a humble dude. Mm. Um, but yeah, he's a good footballer, good athlete. And uh, my brother was a very good footballer. He played um, for 10 years in the Waffle, um, two premierships, one first and best in a premiership year, and he got drafted to the West Coast Eagles. He was a very talented footballer. Um, you know, tough, rugged, and hard at the ball. Uh, you know, kind of like you want on your team. Um, and a, a kind of bloke you, you, you disliked. I reckon the, not, the opposition would have disliked him, yeah. respected him, yeah. and, and, and wanted him on their team. But playing against him would have been horrible. And being his little brother wasn't the fucking best either. <laughs> um, but uh, no, we, we, we're tight, super tight. But uh, where does that toughness come from? You've obviously got it, and your brother's got it. Where does the toughness come from? Do you reckon? Don't know, man. You're born with it. Yeah, yeah. I think you're born with it. I don't know. Genetic, your old man. Your, the old man. I think the old man was a was a, was a hard was a hard nut. And yeah. um and and mum is tough. You know, they're old school. They don't breed them like they used to. The yeah. mum was old. My mum's tough as nails. Yeah, she's um you know she suffers from from arthritis um rheumatoid arthritis and and quite badly at times. And you know, I see her wince in pain. Mummy, okay? Yeah, yeah. I'm alright. I'm okay. Never complains. Never has complained. Tough as teeth, my old lady, but you know, a typical true lady mm. always presents well and you know, dressed to the nines and always, you know, just looks beautiful. But she's as tough as teeth. And you know, she was on the farm with dad back in the day and she left and was on the farm with, with, with three young kids. And she tells me stories. And you know, dad was out farming all day, and her job when she came from the city to the farm was basically make food, make lunch, keep the house clean and make sure the farmer's dad and the boys and the boys, the workers have got a hot meal. They have to have a hot meal served at lunch and a hot meal at night time. That was mum's job. She played her role in the in the home, in, in the family unit. And her role was as integral as dad's. But you know, she's she done it tough and she didn't have an oven. She moved out there from the city to the bush, didn't know what was going on. Some yeah. stories tells me, made you do that, mum. Bit of a culture shock, aren't we? We just did it. But, you know, mum loved it. My mum was very similar. I'd see her fingers crinched up with the arthritis and everything. Not a winch. It's it's similarities. I've seen it. That's tough, man. I think that's where where most people get their toughness is through their genes, through their family. And then obviously some people are, are made tough, unfortunately. 
And you're definitely known. Like, the one thing that, you know, one of the superlatives that's, uh, uh, you know, given to you is what a tough fighter you were. You know, never give up, never lay down, always come off your stool. Was your first fight a kickboxing fight? Yeah, my first fight in the ring was a kickboxing fight. And uh, I did karate from my age. Dad got me into karate, an old mate of his. Saw us at the beach when he goes when I was thirteen. My brother's fifteen. He goes, hey, Mal, bring the boys down the down the down the dojo one time mm. to get him a karate. And Dad said, you want to have a crack at that, boys? I want, I want you to do it. You know, mm. learn some self defence. Look at learn how to fucking look after yourself. Mm. And you know, me and my old man were always boxing and stuff and wrestling and fighting. Mm. But he mm. said, let's you know get you some get some some lessons and you know start see if you like it. Yeah. And uh, started karate and loved it. Fell in love with it from the from the get go. The first night I went down, I was like. Yeah, I want to be around this. All the all the blokes in town, all the bouncers and the you know the the, the knuckleheads around town were the guys that were running the dojo and always trained there. So from a young age, age of thirteen, you're sparring almost full contact sparring with these grown men. I was thirteen years old and I was fifty kilos dripping wet. You punch it on with a you know coming on with bark off and you know black eyes and fat lips and you make it sound romantic mate and uh, well I was because uh, I was in love I was in a, rela- I was in a relationship with, with, yeah. with combat sport I loved it I fucking could get enough of it playing footy surfing the same time but I was always uh, gravitated towards the, 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 the combat sport and then we started and when my karate did kickboxing in that time so I started doing kickboxing within the karate as well and Muay Thai, and um, but I always wanted to box. And my old man was 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 um, when him and mum had drought three years in a row. They moved to the city, and the old man got a job at Hungry Jacks, and then yeah. became their store manager there after a while. Came became the the manager at the at the, at the store he's working at. Fellow there that he got a job for um, Patrick De Valera, his little Burmese man. Him, and his brother, and they, both their families emigrated from Burma. Um, you know, I think about 1979 and 1981 it was. They were interviewing at this Hungry Jacks, and the old man said, "You guys were hard workers. Come inside, had a chat." And uh, him and mom, him and Pat, um, so gave Pat a job, and then him and my old man as mates hit off. And Pat was Burmese champion. He trained his four sons to be Australian national Australian champions as amateurs. And uh, I started having my first boxing. So I had started boxing with Pat. Dad said, "Come over and train my boy, my, my older son, if you can, Pat, um, for a couple of preseason sessions boxing." I joined in because I, you know, had my black belt in karate and thought I was fucking. You Bruce got a black belt in karate, yeah. yeah? Yeah. Thought I was Bruce Lee, mate. Yeah. Really, just held my pants up. But I did it back in an era where it was pretty tough. You know, we'll, you know, it, yeah. was, it was a hard era. It was pretty much full contact at times. The sparring, well, we'll punch it on pretty hard. Wearing the little mitts as gloves, yeah. you know, focus. Not even mitts, like yeah, most of wrap a detail. The, the ones with the fingerless one type. Just the yeah. little mitts, yeah. you know, and, and shin pads, and you know, yeah. kicking and punching and in and choking and throwing around each other like ragdolls. It was the best. The only fight I could get was a kickboxing fight. And because I'd done Muay Thai and karate, et cetera, I said, yeah, let's do it. So I won my first kickboxing fight by knockout. Yeah. 30 seconds, I knocked the bloke out and, and iced the poor bloke. And um, and I was like, wow, I, I, I really enjoyed this. I think I've seen the footage. There was footage of that, wasn't there? No. No, no. no my, second, my second kickboxing fight I lost. Yeah. Fought, they threw me in for the state title. Yeah. Um, I'd had one fight. The yeah. guy was too experienced, and you know, I, I, I lost my cool, lost my nerve, and just tried to decapitate the man. And I learned from early, early on in my career that being angry and trying to hurt someone will not win you a fight. You got to be cool, calm, calculated. And I learned a lot from that. And then had my first boxing fight not long after that, um, when I was eighteen, and uh, that was it, mate. The, the the that's where the love affair started, and I've um, I've I've been faithful ever since. Do you think? Surfing, like, because I've seen a couple of surfers that have done really well out of boxing because they've just got a natural balance for them. Do you think surfing give you uh, like good balance for boxing? Because you're known for you know known for you know good being on your feet. Surfing, you're pretty much stuck on your board. Yeah. So you're stuck on your board. You do move your feet. 
You yeah. do move your feet at times when you're in the barrel, you move your feet up or dab, but down, or if you're going to do a turn, you might just adjust your feet a little bit. So you do have to move your feet around, but generally speaking, no. You're kind of stuck to your board. Yeah. I don't think it could hurt. Yeah. I think surfing, surfing complements boxing or complemented boxing for me is it, for me, it was a great way to keep my weight down in between fights. Okay. And it's a fucking great way to keep fit, stay fit, keep the engine going. You're moving, you're using a lot of body parts, but mentally, I'm, without knowing I'm, my weight's keeping down. And I'm staying, you know, in pretty good nick, but I'm just having the best fun. I love surfing, mate. So yeah, it's the fucking biggest rush. It's just getting a big, big, getting a, for me, for me, for my level, a big barrel yeah. and making it is an incredible rush. Um, almost the same as jumping in the ring, you know. It's yeah. like, fuck, you feel so alive. And anyone out there who surfs, yeah. especially these mad dogs who are catching these... I just look at look at these guys and go, wow, you are pretty special what you do. I have so much respect for these men because the mere mortal looks at it and goes, far out. I can They're never tough, do eh? They're tough big wave riders. <sighs> I, I reckon I, I, draw, I, I draw comparisons to big wave riders and bull riders. I'll go on a bull before I go. If I was forced to mm. and someone said, ride a bull or surf, you know, 50-foot wave. wave at Nazareth, give mm. me the fucking bull. Yeah. Yeah, and you know what? Stab it a couple of times from the ass, poke it in a couple of times, really fire it up because I'll take that all day over Nazare. Because that's the whole thing, mate. You you, you come off, you, you're underwater for sometimes two minutes. That would be scary. Maybe maybe not two minutes. No. If you're under for two minutes from a wave, I don't think you're coming back. Yeah. But, um, you know, these guys, they get multiple, sometimes nearly three wave or three wave hold downs. Mm. I couldn't. I couldn't imagine that, mate. That's bonkers. Those guys are. They're those nuts. guys are hard men. We've had Wayne Cleveland on here. He's a big wave rider from Rubra. Yeah, man, I know talk, he is. Yeah, and he talks about that. Yeah, like, they're like, mad dogs. Let's go about your boxing career. So you had your first amateur and you're off and running. Yeah. Uh, how old were you? Eighteen. Yeah. And what was the what was your amateur record? Because you done no, you represented just, Australia yeah. too, didn't you? I went to the Olympic Games. So yeah. yeah, I went to the Olympic Games. What 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 year did you go to the Olympics? Two thousand in Sydney. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, How rush. good was that? Is, is that would have been the best of all. Yeah. Back then, I thought oh, I'd rather go to Olympics overseas because I want to travel and go overseas. Mm. But no. Now and and when when the, as it got close, I was like, man, this would be the best one to go to. And now mm. I look back on, well, I've never been to another Olympics, but mm. I think for me. Personally, being an Aussie, having it in our home country, um, was more fulfilling. Aussie. You're a real proud Aussie. There's, you know, you let that be, you've let that be known. I am, mate. I'm a, I am, but I'm fucking worried about where we're going. Yeah, yeah, same. I love this country, but I'm, I'm, I'm very, very concerned for its future and for the people and for the youth moving forward. Yeah, that they're going to miss out on the old school values that we grew up with. Yeah, yeah, that good. made this country. Mate, the 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 amateur career. What was it? How many? Uh, I didn't have a big amateur career. Yeah, <clears throat> had forty three fights. Yeah, thirty five wins. Won twenty one by KO. So I was. That's amateur. big. Knocking uh, them out. That 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 KO record in the amateurs is massive. I didn't really have much experience before I went international. Mm. Perth, being from Perth, couldn't get many fights. Out, but mm. I, I went my I went fought for my first Australian title in my tenth fight. Yeah, well, which is not. And the guy I fought had sixty fights, and he beat me up. But I put up a real good show. Mm. So from early on, you know, no one really took much notice of me. They just thought I was this surfer from Perth with a pig toe, can you know, pretty raw and can punch a bit, and you know, goes okay. But no one really thought that I would. 
do much with the sport of boxing because everyone's an expert and I wasn't in the system. I wasn't one of these long-time amateurs that come from New South Wales or Queensland or Victoria. Mm. That, Like anything, you know, if you're in the mix, if you're in the clique. Yeah, because boxing can be quite political, can't it? It can be. That's why I used to like, I used to like, like knock them out. Take it out of the judges, out of their hands. Can't dispute that. But yeah, I had 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 an amazing amateur career. But I I think, well, for me, sorry, it was great to be in that. How did it feel getting picked for the Australian? Oh, well, you win your way in the Australian team. How did that feel when you go, bang? I'm representing Australia at the Olympic Games. I remember getting my first jacket for the Australian team. So Mm. getting my tracksuit. Yeah. You could have given me a bar of gold, and I would have chosen the tracksuit. Yeah. You know, it was the best. Yes. Yeah. Um, in 1997, uh, I was on the B team for um, the Oceania Games. So I, in the, my 10th fight, um, I won. I got the silver medal for the Australian Championships. So mm. then the next year, 1997, they flew us to Papua New Guinea for the Oceanic Championships against Vanuatu, Fiji, Papua New Guinea, Tonga, Samoa, etc. Um, and uh, they sent two from New Zealand, two from Australia in each weight division. So yeah. I was on the B team. So I had my Australian tracksuit, had Australian boxing team, Australia, uh, Oceanic Games in 1997, and had the Australian coat of arms. It's like, oh, man, I was – I still got it. I was yeah, yeah. 1997. I was so fucking stoked. Yeah. That meant – and an Australian boxing team, a cap. Yeah. Like, oh, wow. It just – because that's, you know, as a fighter, that's what you want. You know, mm. I, don't want I don't want nothing else. Just give me that cap. I want a spot on the team. Yeah, yeah. So it was magic, mate. And yeah. it's sort of like a round-robin thing, isn't it? You've got to fight your way into it. For the Olympic Games in 2000, I went to the Commonwealth Games in 1998. Won the national title in 1997 in Adelaide um, as a middleweight. Yeah. And I was, I was um, awarded the best fighter at the tournament, so the Arthur Tunsil Trophy. And I was, that means you're the best boxer. So all the people there, they vote on who the best boxer was who mm. at the tournament, and I got that. So people said I couldn't box. Mm. They were just a banger and a brawl. I got the best boxer of the Australian of the Australian titles um, in 1997. Yeah. So I could box all right. Mm. And, yeah, um, all right. And, uh, and then, um, but, you know, I'm from WA, all the East Coast. Mm. is going, oh, fuck, you know, he's yeah. a bloke over here. Anyway, um, and then I, made my, I, I was on the Australian team for the Commonwealth Games in 98 in KL in Malaysia. And then uh, for this, I moved up to light heavyweight because I couldn't make the division anymore. It was yeah. getting a bit bigger, holding a bit of weight. So then they had the Oceania titles in um, Canberra mm. um, for the 2000 Olympic Games. If you won the Australian title or the silver medal, you went to the Oceania Games. Mm. And then that was a selection. So you had to win the Oceania title to go to the Olympic Games. So I, went, I fought a guy called Jason Delisle in the final of the Australian titles in Queensland. And he won by a point in the light heavyweight final. And it could have gone either way, but they gave it to Jason, and it's a, it was a fair call. He, Like I said, it was a very, very close fight, mm. and he got the nod. Um, and a good guy, Jace, tough He's got some health man. problems at the moment, hasn't he, Jason? He's, he's been struggling a bit, yeah. He's, yeah, a, he's a fucking legend. Shout man. out to you, Jason. Yeah, man. i got a lot of respect for that, man. We've had three fights. Yeah. I love that bloke. Then we went to the Oceania Games in Canberra, and I knocked out the guy that beat Jason the fight before. So that was, that'd have been yeah, a good so then we got I got to square it with Jace down the track. Yeah. As pro. So then mm-hmm. I turned pro, went to the big games, and then I turned pro, and, and then Jace and I, Jace was making a lot of noise where he was, and I was making a lot of noise where I was. Mm-hmm. And then we met at our, and my very first pay per view out of Penrith in 2003. Um, he had a big crowd following him. I had a pretty big crowd by then following me, and it was just a magic show. It was the best. It was so much fun. It was my first, that was my first pay per view. Yeah. And it was like the big, I was, I'm a pro now. It was like a big deal. And Let's, it, talk about that. Let's talk about the pro. What, you know, so the decision to go pro, that was always going to suit you, wasn't it, to, to, to go pro? And is that when you moved over here from Perth, you relocated? Yes, yeah, so I fought the NBA games. I, I, I 
beat my first won my first fight against Brazil, tough young Brazilian who went 18 and 0 as a pro as a cruiser after that, um, and fought for the world title but um, lost. So he's a good fighter from Brazil. I put him away in the fourth round, and then come up against the eventual gold medalist in my second fight, and lost the fight. But uh, you might be able to see my hand there. I broke. That's where I did that. Yeah. So I broke that, those two bones in that hand there um, on the Russian's head um, in the round two. Mm. Was leading. He broke my nose bad in round two as well. I dropped him round two, broke my hand, broke, broke, his, broke my hand on his head in round one, sorry, and he went on to win the fight. Um, but I put up a good show. I gave him the best fight he had at the games. Yeah. He won the gold medal, then I turned pro. And so I had the opportunity to turn pro with Jeff Fennick. Um, I'd known Jeff and trained with Jeff a couple of times in Sydney, been in training and inspired some of his, his top fighters um, and, and handled myself real well. And so then um, had the opportunity to turn pro and he said, well, the Olympics over, um, come over and turn pro with me. So it was, it was a fantastic opportunity as a, as a young deputant. Um, a kid, a, kid, a Sophie kid from Perth coming to live in the inner city of Sydney, man. How was that? It was wicked. Yeah. I couldn't wait. Yeah, yeah. I flew over and, and you were with Nina by then. Were you with Nina? I was with Nina. Yeah, Nina. I've you know, been together for you know since I was twenty one. She was twenty, yeah, and she the poor lady put up with a lot, mate. I couldn't have couldn't have been more blessed to you know find her in my life and have her in my life as um yeah. you know she's been the catalyst yeah of what we've done together as as a family and and her support of me and knowing that you know I've got to be at times. I'm not, you, you can't find me I'm not here yeah. and with young kids as well because as a fighter you have to be selfish you have to switch and off. Chloe was born in Sydney yeah Your daughter Chloe yeah yeah she was she was conceived in a mattress in Bankstown <laughs> I know it because I, I lived with Vic Darcinian so when I first moved over I, I lived out of oh, Bankstown tell, tell me about this story about you going to live with Vic, Vic Darcinian I've heard this story you knock on the door and he answers the door so I didn't know who Vic was I just knew that I was turning he pro he was an Armenian him. boxer yeah and he never had really good English pretty poor English at that stage he was from Armenia he Represented Armenia at the Olympics. We turned pro together. He was with Fennec. Fennec saw him and made this guy's this kid's good. Turned out to be an eight-time world champion. Vic Darchinian's one of the legends of the of the flyweight super flyweight division. Um, you know, he beat Jorge Arce. He, he's, he had um, Irene Pacheco won his first world title against over in Miami. He had Nanito Denier on toast twice. You know, Nanito Denier is going to go down as an all-time great, and Vic had his number on two occasions. And Nanito Denier is an absolute legend and a gentleman of the sport. Mm. Um, and you know that's how good Vic is. And you know, LeBron's favorite, LeBron James's favorite fighter is Vic Darchinian. He's so well known in America. It's unfortunate that he didn't resonate down here mm. in Australia because he wasn't from Australia. But man, Victor legend. So when I met Vic, move into his unit, I knock on the door. Off the plane I am. I got two bags with me, and knock on the door, and this little little guy answers the phone. Little angry guy. Hello. He knew I was coming. Hello. I said Vic, Danny. Hello. Come in. Shook hands. He says, I want to get my bags. He says, oh, you leave, you leave. I said, Vic, you leave. Gets my bags, picks them up, walks in, throws them in the room, two rooms in the, in the small unit in Bankstown, throws them in there, your room there. He says, you hungry? I said, Steak. nah, I've already eaten. He goes, you eat. I said, okay, cool, mate, no worries. So I sat at the table and we're not saying anything. It's quiet as, it's so awkward. He goes to the freezer, pulls out a steak from the freezer, frozen chips, puts it on a pan, bang, puts the oven on 4,000 degrees, away we go. Sit down there, look at each other at the table like this. <laughs> so Vic, how you been? And we had this broken English conversation. I obviously don't speak fuck all Armenian. And then um, he brings out this steak, which was like a boot, and the chips, they look like sticks. And he says, you want sauce? I go, no, nah, I'm good, mate. Salt and pepper, yep. So he goes, you eat. 
<laughs> so I fucking ate the whole thing. I said, if I don't eat this, I was thinking, if I don't eat this, he can eat me. And he just sat the whole time watching me. It was the best. And then from then, Vic and I play cards. Yeah. And then we have we play cards at night, have a cup of tea, and and then um, you know we become you know good mates, and yeah. obviously followed his career, and 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 I was uh, got a lot of inspiration from Vic in the gym because he's he's such a tough man. Everyone loved him. Everyone that Angelo Hyder talks, you know, he just loved him. He, he he's a tough man. He's a hard man. Yeah. He was such a good punch. He was so strong. He used to bench a hundred kilos. The boat would around at fifty five. Yeah. He used to bench a hundred. He was so strong. And mate, he was a short man. Short in stature, but massive in presence. Yeah, good dude, Vic. Great fighter. How many fights did you have before you get, went to Germany for Bayer? Uh, 16 fights. Yeah, is that when you went? Yeah, so okay. the fight before I had with with Jason DeLisle. So then yeah. I, I had my square up with Jason DeLisle. We turned pro, and it was a big show, and everyone thought Jason's going to knock me out. People thought I was going to knock him out, and um, I ended up getting the nod, put Jason away in the fifth round. Um, and then uh, we fought again. Um, we both moved up to light heavyweight. He just fought Clinton Woods for the IBF world title, mm. unsuccessful. I think tenth round, um, he got. Um, I think the, the fight was stopped or went the distance. Mm. And then we fought after that. Um, I moved up to light heavy, and Jace was at light heavy already. And we fought over in Perth. And I opened up a big cut in the third round, a really big cut here with a straight right. And it was just you know it needed staples to close. It was a big cut. It was pissing blood out, and mm. um, a, his nose was like that. And he, he said, he, he said, he, I popped a couple of ribs. And I'm not surprised because I hit him so hard. I pounded Where's him. Where your power come from, mate? Like, but, he, but don't worry about Jace. Jace, yeah. <laughs> Jace run my bell in round nine, nearly put me away. You yeah. know, it was a tough fight, hard fight. And, and I got the nod. And the, this, is, this is the kind of bloke that I is. He was the last man to leave the ring on the night with me. Mm. And then that was Wednesday night. And we punched absolute shit out of each other for nine rounds. And then... Friday night we're on the on the cans at dinner together. Mm. You know that's. I, I love that so about boxing. That. I love that you can be in a ring and trying to kill each other, and forty five minutes later you're the best mates. Yeah, most times that that's that's pretty common, mate. Because yeah. the guy he, he's gone through what I've gone through. I know what you, mate. I know what you. you know, I'm, I'm thinking as I'm punching him, he's punching me. I know what you're going through, mate. I know what you've done to get this position, to get yourself in this shape physically, mentally, emotionally. Yeah. I know the experience you've had. I know where you've come from and what you've done to get to here. I've got nothing but respect for the man, but I'm, I want to I want to hurt you. And I know you want to hurt me, but I don't want to hurt you meaningly. I don't want to, I don't, I don't nothing don't against you. you. Yeah. No, but I want to fucking knock you out because that's, 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 that's the people ultimate way to win the fight. It's hard for people to understand. People who don't box, it's really hard for people to understand that concept of, mate, you're a good bloke. But I want to fucking knock you out. I want to fucking make sure you don't get back up. That I think, from a, a, just a person, a non-boxing's perspective, is like fucking. Where does that that come it's from? It's like the um, I, I kind of put it to a football team. If you win the grand final um, with a with a you know a banana kick, five points down, you get a banana kick and you you know spill one through the beans and and get the nod right in the siren. It's the ultimate way to win a fight. Yeah. That's ultimate ultimate way to win a game. The ultimate way to win a fight is by KO or stoppage yeah. because A, you take it out of the judge's hands and B, that's what you train for. It's 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 the icing on the cake for the preparation you put in with your team, your coach, your family that have sacrificed as well, yourself personally, or the pain you've gone through. It's the best way to win a fight, particularly if you finish it early mm. and you don't get damaged. You finish them early, take them out of there, you don't get the damage. You live to fight another day and, and, and you, you, you hope that they'll live to fight another day as well. There's nothing, I don't want to hurt anyone, I don't like, sometimes I've belted blokes, I'm on the ropes 
and I'm sitting there and I'm cracking them and I look down the front row and I'll see their son or daughter, their teenage son or daughter or young kid looking up at me, looking at me like, you know, and you can see their face like, you see their family's face. And you actually see that. Oh, yeah, yeah, you catch it. Yeah. On many times you've caught the faces of their partners or their wives or their kids or their father who's in the corner or whatever it may be and you can see a look of despair and fear. You see that and it's like, fuck, but you know, my job, and then, you know, then, then I want to, that doesn't stop me wanting to knock them out though. Yeah. But then after I process it, now I'm processing these things, and I feel bad. Yeah, yeah. You know, because I, I wouldn't feel bad if the guy was a piece of shit. Mm. Wouldn't care. But they're not. They're good guys I've been fighting. You know, yeah. they're good, most people are good blokes. So, yeah, I feel bad. that way. Sometimes you feel bad, but it is what it is, man. It's either you or me, and I don't want it to be me. That thing, someone gets knocked out. And you sit there with baited anticipation that get up, mate, get up, because you don't, as you say, you don't want them to be hurt, you don't want to be too hurt. Tell me about that time when you've just knocked someone out, you're back in a neutral corner, and what's going through your head? I don't know, it's a pretty hard one, Russ. It goes pretty fuck, goes pretty quick, but yeah, you. It's more so when you when you've hurt them, like you've wobbled them, and you know you're gonna knock them out, like you know, or you know you you're you you're gonna finish them, mm. and you know that they shouldn't be here anymore. They're fucked. Mm. You know, they're they're fly blowing. They're, Poor buggers can cuss bad. I've been there myself. Mm. So, you know, it is what it is. But yeah. you kind of, that's when you've got to step in and you can hear them groaning and they're, oh, and they're fucked. And I, and I have so much, I've built so much respect and admiration for this man over the course of the fight. And then all of a sudden, he's cooked and you've got to finish him off. And yeah, you step in there and, I'll, you know, and I know he's, he's I'm potentially going to knock the man unconscious in front of his family and friends and supporters and kids mm. and loved ones or whatever it may be. Yeah. But it's just, it, it's the game. It's it's the game yeah. we're in. And it's a brutal game, isn't it? It's a brutal game of chess. can be tough, yeah. yeah. It can be hard. It can mm. be tough, but it's what I love. It's what I've loved doing. I've been blessed to be able to identify that I had a bit of ability and something that I was able to carry it and, and, and make a living out of it and mm. provide for my family. But there's also some, yeah, those kind of moments. I don't, like I said, if the person was a piece of shit, I couldn't care. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't think twice, but most mm. of them are not. And so that's where it's yeah. kind of conflicting in a way. You know, I don't want to hurt anyone that way. Let's move on. Let's go to, when did, like, you, I got announced you're going to fight Marcus Bayer for a world title in Germany. Mate, what was that feeling like? Here you go. You're on the big stage. Yeah, I remember getting the call. So the fight against Jason. So whoever won it, Jason and I, um, that ranked us in the top 10 for the WBC. So then... Jeff and I, so Jeff and Angelo, well, Angelo Heider was my assistant coach and my matchmaker back then. So yeah. Angelo was very pivotal in anything that I've ever done in my whole career. Yeah, yeah. So everything I've done in my career as a pro, mm. Angelo's had a finger in, mm. if not been instrumental in. Yeah, you guys so have a special relationship. I'm sure that he was, um, him and Jeff together, worked together to, worked together and, and the Germans looked at the rankings and Germ- he'd just beaten Eric Luca in controversial Canadian fashion Eric, yeah, yep, yeah. in Germany. was a Mm. A bit of a dodgy decision, and they had a choice. They could fight anyone in the top ten, and then they had to rematch Luca. So the WC said you can fight anyone else in the top ten, and then you got to rematch Luca because it was a controversial decision. Mm. So they looked at the form guide. Obviously, they went, "Oh, this guy from Australia's had sixteen fights, sixteen KOs, never been past the eighth round, not very experienced. We'll take him. We'll take him in deep water, give him a boxing lesson. You know, shouldn't be a problem. That's what they thought." And so then we got the opportunity to fight for it. Uh, I won't mention what I get paid, but it's nothing. Mm. It wasn't about that. Mm. It was it was about oh man, I would have done it for free, Russ. Mm. So when I got the phone call, remember I was sitting and I was house sitting a place out in East Ride. Yeah, I got the phone call about ten o'clock at night. Phone rang on the wall back then. You know, pick it up. It was Jeff, mm. Greeny Jeff. Hey mate, how you going? 
I knew it was something that time of night because we were kind of anticipating mm. the potential getting the night. And he goes, mate, we got it. You got the shot at the world title. WBC world title against Marcus Barr in Germany. I said, wow. Mm. Wow, we. Okay, cool, mate. Fucking unreal. Had a few more things to say. I was like, yeah, well, I still can't remember what it was. It was all so blown away. Mm. I was like, fuck yeah, Jeff, unreal. Thanks, mate. And the phone up, turned around there, said, fighting for the world title, Dale. Mm. That was it. And then that was it. It was just, you know, head down, bum up and into hard work and just totally put the blinkers on, mate, and just focused on what I had to do as a fighter. Well, tell me, just when that prep goes down, it's everything, isn't it? You, you don't, you don't, like, you know, I've been involved with, a little bit with the Maloney's and when they're fighting thing, it's fucking nothing else matters. You just got to shut everything out. You kind of got to be a little bit selfish to a degree mm. and just shut shut everything out. When you To be successful, you have to, yeah. And mm. you got to put up with a lot of pain, you know, like, Broken ribs, broken nose, broken hands, broken eye sockets, you know, throughout broken nose, multiple broken noses, like doing preparations with proper broken nose for five, six weeks. People go, what do you mean? Yeah, black eyes for six weeks. Because mm. it never goes away because you've got to continue sparring, like mm. broken ribs. Mm. Yeah, you got to prepare with, you know, I'm, I'm talking when you go and get an x-rayed on mm. MRI. It's not just I've got sore ribs. Like, hey, I can see you've got two cracks there and they're displaced. Probably broken ribs. you got to prepare. Well, I can't sit on a toilet with a fucking, with a fucking rib cartilage injury. Man, I'm the fucking biggest sook. Anything to do with my ribs, I'm the biggest sook ever. You know, I've had it playing football and shit like that. That's a special, that's a special type of toughness to go oh, on. Mate, any athlete at high end does it, mate. He'll yeah. do it, he'll deal with it. And so, yeah, that, that preparation, a lot of time you're injured and you're, and you're, and you're sore and you're tired. But the thrill, or the, 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 the allure of potentially knowing the thrill that you, you might get if you win, um, when you win, you know, it's all worth it. That's what you chase is not the glory, mm. the high. Yeah, that's the drug, mate. Yeah, that's the ultimate. It's like drug. the big wave. The old mate takes off in the big wave. There it is. That's that glory. Yep. Going to Germany, you know, you would have been aware that you know what I mean. You would have had to knock old mate out, wouldn't you? It's funny. I was talking about this yesterday with a buddy, and um, we went back because friend boxing. We went back and spoke about it, and uh, about four days before, because I had um, you know Southpaw. First time I fought a Southpaw as a pro. Mm. He was a very skillful guy, by a two-time champion. In his backyard, well-known bloke. It'd be difficult to win on points here, which is mm. shit. You win, you win. Should mm. be that. That's how it should be. But we knew I had to bowl him over. But then about three days before, I was doing pads, mm. and I was hitting the pads with with Jeff. And Angelo goes, "Man, the way this bloke's hitting the pads here, I reckon he's going to box his ears off." Mm. You know, no one really gave me credit for being mm. a boxer. I just got, but I, I wasn't a brawler. And Angelo's a good judge. He's very, a very good judge. He, man, he, he just lives and breathes the sport. He's a guy who's got the knack and the ability to read a fight and to read an opponent and to read what you or how you are feeling. It's a, it's a, you can't be taught that. You're mm. born with that knack. It's like a horse trainer who knows a certain horse or how horses or how horses mm. or how animals. Anything to do, you know, someone deals with animals. Mm. Well, the animal can't fucking talk to them and tell mm. them how they're feeling. They just got that knack of knowing. Yeah. And like fighting, H's got that. Hyder's got that knack. It's a pretty, it's a gift. Yeah. And um, he goes, man, you're gonna box this guy's ears off. I'd keep him out long, Jeff. You know, getting a box off the jab, which I should be doing, boxing off my jab because my jab was, was was pretty good. That yeah. was no man gave me yeah. that. He says, man, you're gonna box. You make sure you always have a left because he used to take me at the front. We used to shadow box the dab, and, yeah. all the, and, and pretty soon I just feel this burning sensation around my ear. And he go, give me a slap, or yeah. you always have the jab going. So he said, mate, if you're ever gonna be a fighter. Make sure you got a good jab. So, mm. my old man taught me the best thing I ever had. Mm. Well, kind of 
that's what I wanted. To, mm. I wanted to have a good jab, you know, because that's what my old man told me when I was a kid. So I was like, always grow up. You want to honour your dad, didn't you? I got to have this. I want this jab to be the fucking best thing ever. And turned out my jab was, you know, it was. I don't mind saying this. I was renowned for having really, really world class jab. Mm. So for me, that makes me proud to know mm. that. That's something that my old man instilled in me from a young age, and I really honed in on it and perfected it and, and made it a weapon. Yeah, he would have been proud of that. He would have known he stamped that on you. Yeah, it was cool. And so, yeah. Well, did, you, did he ever take credit for it? He goes, oh, shit. Never. No, 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 no. Never. Wasn't that man. type of guy? No. Oh, no way, right? So, my, no. my old man would sit and he'd sit back. You never saw the old man in the ring or never saw the mm. old man anywhere. He'd just sit back and chill. And, you know, he, he, he'd be up in the stands many times in the fights, mm. not ringside, whatever. Yeah, he, my old man was low, low key, well, mellow. There was that. You and him sort of had an agreement that he just would agree together when the time was right for you to retire. Is that right? Is there something like that? You and him sort of like. There was some. Was that early in the piece? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, 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 he was kind of wasn't Kenny turning pro. Yeah. And then he goes, "Oh look, mate, if you if you turn pro, I'm, I'll you know I support you and with all respect to my old man. I probably would have done anyway mm. at that stage because I was mm. so pig headed. Mm. But then he said, and and I would have I would have talked my old man into it. Mm. And uh, you know I listened to my dad. He was my he was he was, dad was dad. He yeah. was the boss. But yeah. I also had I was pretty I could be coercive when I wanted to do with the old man <laughs> and and. You know, he but he knew that also that I wasn't some bozo that was just going into it with my eyes closed. Yeah. I was going with my eyes wide open, and yeah. I was a real hard worker, and yeah. I had I had ability. Yeah. So uh, and he knew I wanted to, so he probably knew that I'm probably going to want to not be able to stop this bloke going. Yeah. But he had a, we had an agreement, handshake that if 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 he says mate you had enough and I call it, I want mm. you to honour that. And he went to call it a couple of times, and I knew he was going to call it a couple of times, and I said Dad, I went sat him down we. Had a, had a meal, we drove around, we'd go to places like up to Monday and we're in, in Perth and, and I'd, you know, because I knew what he was going to say, I knew what was coming and I'd have a have a, have a a lunch with him and say, mate, this is this is where I'm going, mate, this is where my head's at, at the moment. And I explained to him, fully put it out on the table and he'd listen to it and he'd go, okay, I, I, you, you don't have your fucking, you know, you don't have a screw loose, you know what's going on, I'll support you. But yeah. then I knew after my last fight, that was it. And he knew that that was going to be my last fight with Chalk. And I've had many, mm. many, since the last five years, I still get offers to fight mm. and lucrative offers to fight. Like, mm. I'm talking lucrative, yeah. a lot of money to fight, but never because my old man, that was something that I knew my old man went to his grave with knowing that I was never fighting again. Yeah. And I can't reverse yeah. that. Yeah. Mate, the Marcus Bayer fight went on, went on, mate. And um, what I said to the fight, you bashed in. Yeah, peppered him. Russ, <laughs> he got peppered. Um, your first round, I dropped him. Just come over this. You uh, threw a left, and I come over. Just went whammo and hit him flush with a Saturday night. I was like a <laughs> fucking special, you know, and mm. just mm. dropped him like he was out. Yeah, like his eyes rolled back in his head, and his legs went stiff and started mm. twitching. I was like, Jesus, far out! I've knocked this guy out. My first round, my WBC world title fight. Walk back the corner. I'm talking to the corner. Look over. He's up. Go. How's he get up like that? What's going on here? And then continue fighting. And then round two dropped him. I lifted him off his feet in round two. Actually, came off the ground with the right hand. Tough man got up, but I busted him with a cut in round two. I opened up a cut with a beautiful jab. Round three peppered him. Round four peppered him. Should have been over in round four. Should have mm. been over round three, really. The referee mm. should have not let him come out. The doctor should have let him come out. Mm. It was a really bad cut. But they were scrambling for a way to try and get out of it. Mm. How can they get out of it? And I gave them that way. I gave them the opening by being a bit reckless. Yeah. In round five, I won every round. Mm. So on the scorecards, I got every round. Round one was a 10-8. Round mm. two was a 
I got round three, round four. They scored round five. Every judge gave it to me. I was head by a mile. So when we clashed heads, and the and the and Bayer actually goes to throw me down because I was a stronger man. I've th- he's gone as a, as he's trying to throw me down. I've turned and gone wham on throwing him down, mm-hmm. and there was blood all over me and blood all over him. And the doctor's spinning out, and then he went over. This is round five, about a minute ago, minute half minute ago, round five. Referee's thrown at the corner. There's been blood all over us since a minute forty seven into round two, so we're covered in blood. Both of us. The referee's got blood all over him. And then we clashed. When we clashed a little bit in here, blood went all over me. And then the referee takes me at the corner and he warns me for, for um, throwing him. And I'm like, and I just copped. I went, yeah, okay. But he was throwing me first. But I just wore that. And then this guy, fucking Bill Clancy, this, 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 this mouse, turns to the doctor and goes, one, uh, he, says, uh, he says, cut, accidental head clash. He's saying that the cart was caused when we just when I threw on the ground already done in that. round five. It, there's, there's, mate, there's a bloodbath up until then. It was so bad, and you can see me on the replay. And when he did, when he said that, instantly went, I've gone, can't. It was a fucking punch. Like I'm angry. You can see me say it to him, like mm. clearly, can't. It was mm. a fucking punch. I've turned to Fennec. I've gone, that's a fucking punch. Mm. Turned ref again. I've, three times. It's a fucking punch. I knew I was getting baked here. I knew they were going to bear me over. So we kept fighting, pet, and I kept hitting him with good shots. Bayer was out of it, mate. He, 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 was, he was gone. Yeah. And then I've, I've got in close, and I've gone, went to throw a left hook, and I've gone, bang, hit him with the left hook, but we've just clashed heads. I've been, I've gone, whoop, bang, hit him with the left hook, and then missed him with an uppercut. If the uppercut hit him, you see in the replay, his head would have come off its hinges. It's a bomb of an uppercut. I was wild. I was going, wow. Him, but my intentions to throw the left hook were clear because I landed the left hook, but we clashed heads. Now, my head never touched. My head touched him here. Mm. And you can see it. The whole world could see it. It never touched his eye. Mm. And then, But because oh, it was reckless, Bayer's carried on like, oh, and the whole crowd's gone, oh. The referee's gone, right, that's it. Back to your corner. I was covered in blood. Bayer's covered in blood. Doctor comes in, stops the fight. Doctor says, no, nah, fight's over. Um, Referee took a point off me for a head clash. And then a minute and a half later, he realises, shit, he's too far ahead. He took another point off. You can't do that. No. You can't take two points off after you just take one point. Mm. That's like the guy kicking a goal and then the umpire, all of a sudden, just the goal umpire, doing that again. Yeah. What, the fuck? Yeah, yeah, what is that? Happen. Anyway, 11 minutes later, he disqualified me. The doctor overruled the referee. The referee said the gun score codes. Anyway, it is what it is, right? It's old news. For me, I look back at it and go, you got to look for a silver lining. I was healthy. My family were healthy. My daughter was one and a half years old. She was there to meet me at the airport when I got home. I had a roof over the head. I could put food on the table. What What was I going to complain about, mate? It was a piece of leather. Was that the back. attitude you took to it? You would have been disappointed. I was filthy, mate. Yeah. I was wild. I was down. Because I remember I watched the documentary about it and you could just see, mate, you were just... But I picked it back up and, and, and that's the only thing I could do, mate. I thought to myself, well, I gave myself a bit of a kick up the ass, but what do you mope around for like a, like a Darrow? Mm. You're being weak and you're being selfish. Mm. You're being selfish by, by, by you know, being, being you know, down and fucking angry when there's people who are losing their lives through no fault of their own or their kids through illness. What am I complaining about? Harden mm. the fuck up. So that's how I dealt with it. It was pretty easy, man. When you put it in perspective, yeah. it's really easy. Yeah, and then there was. Uh, then uh, I went over to Montreal and won the world title anyway against Lucas. Against that, Luca yeah. in, in 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 enemy territory again because Bay retired. Mm-hmm. So they put the title up for me and um and Eric Luca in um in Montreal in his backyard. Yeah, and um yeah, 
to have you know to get that WBC super middle super it's the best belt team belt. the great belt. Uh, yeah. It was just a, it was, and 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 then Bayer came back a year later. Mm. So it was all, all, all this confusion around who the champion was. So mm. then I fought Bayer again, and lost in the rematch. And I, it was it was it was a very close fight. And they mm. gave it to Bayer. You go one judge had it a draw in Germany. If you get a draw and one judge had been losing by a point in Germany in the rematch in such a hyped event, mm. fuck if that was in Australia. That yeah. was given to me. Anyway, it is what it is. Mate, you fought the legendary Roy Jones Jr. in your own backyard. How good was that? Yeah. It's, um, it's still something I could never watch enough of, mate. Mm. It, uh, it's One of the pound-for-pound greatest fighters of all time, and you beat him in your own backyard. That was 2009, a long time ago, and... People are quick to forget. Like the day of the fight, after a, after a one, it was front page of every newspaper in the country. Yeah, it's kind of a big deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and not blowing my horn, but it was like, wow, it was, massive. It was a massive. big deal. And then the and odds are stacked against you to win it. You know what I mean? And people were saying, oh, there's no way. Many people didn't. No one gave me a chance before the fight. Mm. And then the day after the fight, you know, there was people saying the night of the fight, oh, it's the best fight of Australian, best best victory on, on a, of an Australian on Australian home soil. You know, no one but Roy Jones been here before. Roy had won five of the last six fights he competed in. Mm. He hadn't lost more than once in six mm. fights. Mm. Twelve months prior to that, before I fought him, he lost on points to Joe Calzaghi. He dropped Joe in round one, and Joe retired 49-0. Yeah. And Roy went 12 rounds with him. Twelve months later, I fought Roy and put him on the first round. Three months before I fought Roy, he destroyed Jeff Lacey in America when he fought in the same, we fought in the same show. Mm. And so no one gave me a chance. And then when I take Roy out in one round... Everyone goes bonkers, and then they go, oh, that's usual. You know how it works, mate, in this country. They mm. want to bring you down. Mm. But for me, um, you know, oh, it was – I don't tie Roy's shoelaces, shoelaces up. He's a far better fighter than me. But I knew if I hit anyone, I'm, if I catch him clean, I'm going to catch yeah. him. They're going to go. But I, I had enough skill. I know, I've been in Olympic Games. I've been, I'd fought some really good fighters up until that stage. I, I knew that I could handle myself in there. But the training camp that Angela Hyde and I put together – By this time, Angela was your full on, full-time yeah, trainer? Yeah. yeah. So the training camp we had, the sparring partners that we got through HS Contact, Rick Glozer in America, shout out to Rick Glozer over there in America, absolute champion, has arranged me through Angelo, um, uh, has arranged me some of the best sparring that I've had. You know, such great quality sparring. And good, fun. And good fun. guys, mate. Good but people. You guys have fun along the way too. I've oh, seen yeah. some of the funny videos where you're doing dance moves, punching the pads and like, you know what I mean? And just got, got the wig fun. on. Yeah, we're um, always having fun, mate. That victory for for Angelo and I is um is is it it'll, it'll be a moment forever for me. Like oh, apart we'll from my kids being born, yeah, my two yeah. kids being born, that's one of the best moments of my life. Yeah, people can remember where they were for the America's Cup, you know, and that's one of those people can remember where they were when you beat Roy Jones Jr. You yeah, know, that's it, um, one of those moments in Australian sporting history. You made a whole country proud. I don't really think about it much, Russ. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's your humility just yeah so I, I, you know, when I watch it and my daughter's my daughter Chloe she, you know, my daughter and son Archie and Chloe they're my, obviously my biggest fans mm. and um, you know they just they just love playing that at home and my daughter walked Chloe walked me out in the ring Archie was a bit small so Chloe walked me out mm. on that night holding on the flags you know it was mm. a magic mm. moment for us and in the ring after the fight and yeah. to do it in one round you know I took a I took a big pun. I was five to one under, and I took a big pun. Like, no one gave me a chance. I don't, mm. I don't gamble. I never gambled. I've gambled on two fights in my life. Mm. One against um, Mike Tyson versus Lennox Lewis. Mm. 
mm. and I bet Lennox to win on points. So I lost hundred bucks, even though I won the fight. Mm. And I won, um, I won about two and a half grand on Monday when he beat Rebchenko. No. Only fight I've ever won on bet on that I've won. I've bet on two fights, and no. one, one of them was Chock. Yeah, yeah. So thanks, Chock. Um, cheers, but uh, but yeah, it, the the fight itself, I took a gamble to go out in the first round and put it on him because mm. I realised if his engine starts chugging and he starts going, yeah. it'd be a long night for me, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I don't particularly like the taste of leather that much, and I knew that I was gonna 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 get and he was a healthy flash, diet. Man. He was flash, eh, man? Yeah, he was a couple a... of jabs in the foot, boom, boom. I didn't see him. I was like, fucking hell, it's fast. I knew it was fast. Yeah. But Angela and I worked out early on before the fight, there's no point having the power. Like, I hit harder than Roy. My natural power was harder than Roy. But Roy gets his power and it, from his time and his placement. Like, he's mm. he's just, the way, he sh- the way he throws punches is out of control. He's mm. just so crisp, so perfect with his time and his placement. That's where he gets his power from. But I knew that my punching power, like my, you know, the knuckle to knuckle was probably harder than Roy's, but there's no point having that power if I can't land it. So we worked on speed throughout, for six months prior to that, we worked on speed because you kind of thought, we might get the fight with Roy. If I could win the title, it might come off. Yeah. So we worked on speed for a long time. So Angelo and I had a fantastic game plan and never had a better camp. That was the number one training camp I had. It just happened to be the hardest fight of my life, the best training camp when I got in the ring that night. I was just... I was super confident, and I shouldn't have been really, yeah. but I was super confident because I had faith in what Angela and I did in camp. Yeah. And our team, my family, we, we were confident, very confident. My sparring partners go, man, the week before they go, eight weeks out, we were kind of like, oh, this is going to be a long fight for your green, but now your speed, you're gonna, you're, you are going to catch. Because they know they'd sparred Roy. They know Roy from America. So they said, we think you're going to be able to catch Roy. This is this is yeah. now from eight weeks ago. Well, I'm unsure yeah. now what you've done in camp and how you fight, become with your speed and what your game plan is. You're going to hit Roy, you know. Yeah. So it's up to you how this goes. But you're going to be able to catch him. Yes, they didn't say you're going to win. They said you're going to be able to catch him. So I knew I was going to be able to catch him. So I had to jump on him early. So we took a punt and went out and tried to put on him. And early. this is in your hometown of Perth too, yeah. No, it's in Sydney. Was it? Was that it? Yeah. Yeah, it, was, it was unreal. Yeah. Yep. You were the humble Australian champion. That's how people, the Australian, like their champions. They like them humble. You're on a big head. You know what I mean? People love that. My brother and old man wouldn't have spoken to me if I was a big head. That wraps up part one for now. Check out part two with Danny Green next week on The Sticker.